listening to America's Web Radio. And now time for the Classic Car Show with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber. Good morning and welcome to America's Web Radio and the Classic Car Show. We've got a great guest lined up today that's on the phone with us. Tom Cotter, and if people don't know that name, they know his books, and uh, anybody that's ever owned a car is jealous, and everybody's wet, I mean, dream is uh, to find that certain barn find, yes. that, that car that's in perfect shape, that yeah. the little old lady, uh, it was my husband's, and oh, you seem like a nice guy, Mr. Weber, I'll just give you the is that car. Is that what you find in barns? Ah, uh, well, that's that's <laughs> what you'd like to find in a barn. A little yeah. old lady? Yeah, a little old lady. But anyway, uh, we, we've got Tom Cotter on, and he and uh, Bill Warner wrote a book together that uh, is fantastic. Uh, it's jealous beautiful. And yeah. beautiful. Well, but all and, of Tom's uh, books are. We've uh, we've talked to Bill uh, in the past, Mr. Allen, and uh, we, uh, we wanted to talk to Tom and... Uh, not only talk about the book that he wrote with Bill, but the number of other books All that he's written. All his books. Well, and plus so. he's the star of stage, screen, and television called YouTube. So welcome to uh, America's Web Radio, Tom. Glad to have you with us today. Thank well, you, guys. Yeah. Good morning. Um, morning. Where, where would you like to start? You're the guest. Yeah, you have so much to talk about. You, you start. Yeah, it's your well, turn. You know, you know fi- finally, you, I mean, you guys and I are on the same wavelength because all I do is cars. Like, I don't play golf. I don't hunt. I don't fish. I don't, I don't do anything. I just do cars. And, and, and finally, I'm on a radio show where that's all you guys do as well. Yeah, exactly. Steve's got a bazillion of them, and I've got three or four hidden away. And we don't know anything else. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's all I did for a living, too. Yeah, both of us. Yeah. yeah we worked together for years. So I guess you could call us the happiness boys. Hi, yeah. God. Better, th- better <laughs> than being a comfort girl. Yeah. <laughs> well, t- all right, well t- Tom, <laughs> you, let's go back. When you started, and when I first heard about Tom Carter, you were the PR guy basically out of Charlotte, and NASCAR, I think you had a lot of good car accounts, and you were a car guy. Besides that, and I understand that that gorgeous '39 Woody you had since 1969. When did you start writing your books? And I think your first books were the Car in the Barn books, weren't they? Well, um, you know, I'd always been a car kid. I grew up on Long Island, and I guess my first exposure to uh, racing was Isop Speedway. Oh, sure. yeah, I know. You I know, go there and watch yeah. the figure eights and the demolition derbies and the modifies, whatever. And and then when I got a little bit older, I got to Bridgehampton and yep. uh, got involved in sports car racing. And I, and, you know, I at the time I was selling furniture in Manhattan, and I, you know, there's got to be a way for me to be in the car business. <laughs> and you know, since that time until now, it's like that's all I've ever done is cars. Uh, so my, my, you know, I moved down here to Charlotte in 1985 from Long Island and became PR director at Charlotte Motor Speedway and did that for four years, then opened an agency called the Cotter Group in 89 and, and ran that for uh, 13 years. And we specialized in PR originally, initially, but then we went into marketing and event management and show car programs. And, you know, when it started with two people and it ended with 90 people when I sold it. And, and that's when I wrote my first book. Um, 
And my first book was actually uh, called Holman and Moody, the Legendary Race Team. Okay. And it was, it was about, uh, you know, the biggest Ford racing team that really, that ever was. I mean, when, when racing teams in the 60s had three employees, this, this team had 350 employees. And I was just fascinated with that story. And then it went on to barn find books because barn finds are just my love. You know, that's what I do since I'm 12 years old. And it spread off into bio- biographies and all sorts of other things. So I'm, I'm a lucky, a lucky, happy guy that I consume my uh, passion every day. You are. And, and you do a great job of it, by the way. And after writing all these books, then you started doing videos, the Discovery Channel and YouTube. That was next? Yeah, you know, I, got, I never planned on that. It was uh, uh, it was a call I got about two, three years ago, I guess, from Haggerty Insurance. And uh, they called up and said, you know, we really enjoy your books. Would you mind if we followed you with video cameras and watched you as you found old cars? I said, well, you know, yeah, that's fine. But I have to tell you that I'm just me. Like, I'm not going to change who I am. I'm just Tom Cotter, and I don't want to become one of these, you know, guys, reality TV guys with a bad <laughs> temper and throwing wrenches. And yeah, I know some of those guys. I'm glad. Good for you. <laughs> you know, I, I said so. If you'll if you'll just accept me as me, I'll, I'll be glad to do it. But I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to change who I am. And they said, no, we just want you to be who you are. And so that we're nearing the, the end of our second season now, and it, it's a blast. I spend about a week a month on the road somewhere in the United States uh, with my woody wagon and go looking for old cars. And it's, you know, it, it, it's uh, it's a wholesome program. I can tell you that it's, uh, there's no cursing and everything is authentic. The, the cars I find, are, are I'm really finding them. The people I'm meeting, I'm not, you know, nothing's been staged months ahead of time or anything. So it's it's real. It's the only way I would do it. So it's, it's an extension of my books and it, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. And Tom, uh, you remember what you're looking for for me, right? <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> uh, boy, I forgot about that, that one. That 67 AH Austin oh, Haley, yeah, yeah. Yep. <laughs> that, you know, I could find you one of those in about 16 minutes. It's no problem. Yeah, there's about a billion. But I got to be able to afford it, and it's got to be the little old lady that says, "You know, you're a nice guy. Uh, this was my husband's. Uh, I'll give it to you." Oh, yeah, shit. Okay. Or something no, close to that. That might take a little longer. <laughs> yeah, 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 take as long as you want. That, yeah. That's how much I can afford. Let me ask you one question. Of all the ones that you found, which one would you classify as the most unusual or peculiar? Not not the car, not the story, but the car. Yeah, you know, I've, I have been pretty lucky to find an amazing bunch of cars. In the most recent video for Haggerty, you know, we discovered a... a uh, a Pegaso with nostalgic bodywork. You know, basically, if that car is restored, it's a million-dollar car. Um, a, uh, I'm, I'm about to go do a series, I mean, a, a program on finding a Ferrari 250, 1958, in Michigan. Um, but the, for me personally, the car, well, I've, I've got a few. I, up in Michigan, I found a, a 1967 Ford Country Squire station wagon. You know, wood siding, dual-facing rear seats, you know, just like the family truckster. Every 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 kid grew up in the back seat of one of those cars. But this one was different. This one had a 428 cubic inch, a four-speed transmission, bucket seats, and a console from the factory. Weird. 
like one of one. And, and I found this car, and I called my wife and said, you know what, I, I have to buy this car. There's only one, and this thing, I love Fords, I love wagons, I love high performance. So, you know, I bought that car. But I found a Cobra that I wound up buying, a, Cobra, a 289 Cobra in a barn. <laughs> I, found, Without I, giving, I found a Without giving away me, trade right? secrets, Tom, how do you how do you find the barns to go to? Well, you know they're not literally all in barns. They might be in a, in a garage. It might be in a warehouse. Well, yeah, but I mean, how, how, how do you get your leads? You know, just I keep my ears open all the time, and and because I don't play golf, and because I don't fish or hunt, I don't care about what you know people talk about. This, but when I hear the conversation turn to cars, bing, I'm right there. I was in an art gallery up in Maine last summer looking at paintings of my wife and I said okay there's, there's no old car people in this town Booth Bay Harbor and I heard a guy in the corner it was a guy in a gallery he talked about racing at Lime Rock and I told my wife excuse me I've got to be part of that conversation and so I went over and talked to this guy and I'm in this resort town of Booth Bay Harbor and I find out within five minutes he's got a Lotus 11 sitting in the garage it's been there since 84 wow but that's a that's a rare race car it ran the 1957 Mille Amelia man so, you know, you, you just you, you can't turn it on and off. It's got you got to be on all the time and listen, keep your ears open, and ask good questions. That's amazing. Yeah, it, yeah. It's just to yeah. And I, from watching the two TV shows recently that you did, the one with the uh, rattlesnake stick in California, and then your walk through Detroit. Uh, I guess it's I could call <laughs> it a walk. Oh well, I would probably run yeah. through Detroit yeah. actually. <laughs> well, but he, he found some neat cars. <laughs> And then that one Art Deco building, if I remember rightly, Tom, in Detroit. Does that ring a bell? Art Deco. Well, you know, it, it I mean, was, we hung out at the Packard plant yeah, quite but, a bit. Yeah, but no, there was a house with some cars there. I think there were... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that was the Reverend. He was so cool. Yeah. I mean, he, he was a doctor, but he was doctor of theology, and, uh, and, and you know, and he was a minister, and a car collector. And, you know, he had this old Chevy's out in the driveway. But in the garage, he had two XK120 Jaguars, a coupe and a Roadster. Cool. And a 59 Caddy. And the TR3 Triumph his father used to yes. drive when he was a yes. kid. So, you know, it, and to me, it's all about the story. You know, those cars are just cars. But when I get meet a guy who's a minister and a doctor and collects <laughs> cars, there's the story. Yeah, pretty much. Boy, that's great. Well... Continue on. You you talked to this guy that had the Lotus Eleven that ran the Mealy Melia. Okay, well, what happened then? Did did you buy the car or? Did oh no, you know I I didn't even want to insult him to to say you know to because I I don't want to be I don't want to say it I I don't want to be you know one of these uh, uh, vultures that yeah. find a car buy it sell it flipper you know, like, uh, we me, call them flippers uh, yeah you know that's not me. To me, a, a car is like a golden retriever, and I, I want to respect. You know, if I was going to get a golden retriever, I wouldn't go to a car, a, a dog, a pet store. I'd go to. I want to see where it lives, and I want to meet the owners, and and I, you know, I want to adopt that dog or adopt that car. I don't, I don't just want to flip a car. To me, that's you know, it's like the meat market. Then it's it's yeah. not very romantic. <laughs> but you know, other other cars I've found. Uh, poor speedster in Texas that had been in a garage 40 years and a woman's uh, husband died and, and she was broke. I mean, literally, she's going, going to lose her house. 
and we we brought that car to auction. She got three about three hundred twenty five thousand dollars worth. Oh, God and, bless you! Know, you. What, what a happy ending that was. Yes. You know? Oh, that's wonderful. And then I, I bought a Cunningham. I mean, I you know, to me, I'm a British Cunningham freak. I mean, that to me, the Cunningham story is is amazing. And uh, so I, I was giving a talk in South Carolina in Spartanburg, and and uh, about finding old cars. And when I got back to my table after the talk, I. The gentleman who invited me there said, so what would be your ultimate car to find? And I said, well, my whole life it was a 289 Cobra, but I found one of those. He said, okay, what would be your second most amazing barn find? And I said, you know, it sounds crazy, but it would be a Cunningham, but there's only 25 of those. He yeah. said, I know where there's a Cunningham. I said, you got to be kidding. Where is it? He said, it's in Greenville. Well, I'm, I'm 20 miles from Greenville. I said, I'll take you there next week. And it was an amazing car, the second Cunningham C3 made, Chrysler Hemi, four carburetors, uh, Vignali bodywork made in Italy. Uh, and I wound up buying it. It's in my garage, and I just love it. And then I bought a second one that I sold to Jay Leno. Beautiful. So, uh, you know, just, just yeah. you know, it's, it's all connections. It's all keeping your ears open. No, let, let me ask you this. Were you at Lime Rock with the Cunningham reunion a couple of years ago? Yeah, I, I put that. I put that reunion on. Yeah, yeah. I was. I was there on Friday. I, I go on Friday before the crowds get there. Wonder. That oh was yeah, well, it was, it's great kind of the old, it's, it's a black, flat black car. It's, yes, uh, just the way I found it. I yes, I rebuilt the motor, but otherwise it's just a flat black barn find. You know, rat rod. And uh, <laughs> we're doing another Cunningham reunion at the Greenwich Concourse in June. June one, two, three of. 2018. Tom, tell us more about it when we come back. We're going to take a break. We'll be back with Tom Cotter right after this. My name is Kyle Hayes, a motorsports student at Alfred State College. Every year, Alfred State students compete in the Great Race, which is a cross-country time endurance rally for vintage vehicles. As you can imagine, it's pretty costly. I'm asking for your help. Your donation can make it possible for these students to live their passion and promote the vintage automobile industry. Please visit our site at give.alfredstate.edu and search Great Race to learn more and help us reach our goal. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. 45 years of experience is behind the most trusted name in auto transportation. Passport Transport, the first and finest today. That's why Passport Transport is the preferred auto transport for major auto manufacturers, concours, museums, tours, and collectors, and should be your choice from across the state to across the country. When you have the need, go to PassportTransport.com and enjoy the peace of mind referenced experience will give you. Passport Transport. Hi, this is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. Uh, just talking to you about antique car insurance. I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, consider J.C. Taylor Insurance. They've been our my insurer for years in this hobby and have the top rating of every, all of the insurance companies in the hobby. When you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com on the Internet. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're back on the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio with Tom Cotter, our special guest. And we're talking about Tom's books and his writing. And we got to, pretty soon, we got to go to the Cuba book. 
with well, Bill? in a few minutes, but few we're, minutes. we're going to talk Cunningham's for a while oh, because okay. <laughs> the most beautiful Cunningham coupe, with all due respect, Tom, I think is Bob Lutz's with the two-tone red and black and the uh, and the uh, Halibrand wheels on it. i, I got to tell you, it's not Bob Lutz's anymore. Oh. I, I, I have made it my life's goal to see every Cunningham and I called Bob. I said, look, I'm going to be up in Detroit. I'd like to come out and see your car. He said, well, I'd like to help you. But in my divorce, I lost the car to my wife, my ex-wife. And so I, I found out his ex-wife uh, lives in uh, Kentucky. And when I was in Kentucky not long ago, just a month ago, uh, I made a point to stop by there and met her and drove the car. And It, it is a beautiful car. It, it's set up so nicely. And when she and Bob were married, they... I took it on tours, the California Melee, yes, the Colorado yes. Grand, and I think they toured it through Europe as well. A real healthy Cadillac engine, I mean, a, uh, sorry, Hemi, Hemi engine, engine yeah. with a, a, a four-speed Muncie gearbox. Oh, it's, he put a Muncie box. in it, okay. Yeah, it's a, it, you know, it's it's a Corvette box that yeah. was put in probably in the 60s, and, you know, I have a little three-speed Cadillac transmission that's it's really quite crude. But theirs was just sophisticated and just ran yeah, so well. Yeah. I've only ever seen one at an AACA national meet. Only one in all these years wow. I've been doing this. Just one. How many cabriolets were built for the 25? Five, five cabriolets. Okay. And 20 coupes were made by Vignali. Yeah. Yeah. With, with the Vignali bodywork. Yeah. And uh, then there was one cabriolet and one coupe built by Cunningham. They built the bodies in, in West Palm Beach, but... They were kind of ugly, and they were very time-consuming, and uh, so they decided they couldn't build the bodies. That's when they got the Yali involved. Yeah, well, I love his two-tone work, where he seems to. Yeah, be a lot of Cunningham's are three tones. Mine, mine yeah. is actually uh, yeah. three-tone. Jay Leno's is three-tone. Most, most of them came from the factory as three-tone paint jobs. If you remember, that was like the Packard Caribbean days, yep. where Packard had three paint, three mm -hmm. tones as well. Well, 57, 55, 6, and 7 Chevys, you could get three tones. Yeah. There right. was teal, coral, and white, and, and yellow, black, and white, if I remember yep. right. Yeah, yellow, black. I remember yeah. seeing those. Um, I, I just a question. At one time, I encountered the Schraft Chocolate Cunningham that was sold to a gentleman in upstate New York. And this was probably... 1988 or 9 and I always wonder what <coughs> happened to that car and I can't remember the gentleman's name but he was in what, was it brown I don't remember now I, I mean I'm sorry I think it was it was either it, yeah it's probably I mean it was a chocolate chocolate fam I mean I don't know I, that's a new one to me I, I, I try to know all the histories of these cars and I didn't know the Shrafts owned one they tended to be owned however by wealthy people yeah, Nelson Rockefeller bought one new, a Cabriolet. Yeah, um, huh? wealthy wealthy hotel owners and uh, you know people like that. Uh, businessmen bought them, and 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 it's it's interesting that that's the kind of people that still own them today because they were the most expensive American cars then in the fifty two, fifty three, fifty four. You could buy three Cadillacs for the price of one Cunningham, and and today you know the value has climbed. That they're, they're million-dollar cars now. Right, right. The book, who uh, the Dalton Watson book on Cunningham's, I can't think of who wrote that. Was that... Were, uh, you, were you involved? Heyman, I think Heyman. 
David Hay- I, I have it upstairs. It's yeah. a brilliant book. It is. It is. It's it, a br- it, it took him 10 years to put that information together. It's right. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. <coughs> Dedication. Huh? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And Because uh, uh, that listed all the owners in it. And I, I'm trying... Yep. But this, I'm going back. Unfortunately, I could. I wish I could be more specific. Eighty-eight or eighty-nine, somewhere in there, when I encountered. Well, I'm going to look it up. You know, there's a wonderful website called BreezeCunningham.com, mm-hmm. run by a guy named Larry Berman out of uh, Massachusetts, and it's a hobby website. And but you can go and trace the histories of all the Cunninghams, and there's not that many. There's 25 streetcars. Uh, 26 with the two prototypes and then so I think it's probably 35 Cunninghams ever made that includes the race cars right and so you can go and read the histories of these cars who owned them what years what, how much they paid for them uh, interestingly 25 C3s were built and all 25 still exist today so here we are 65 really? years later and not one has been lost to a wreck or scrapped or just lost and only one race car uh, has been lost. The C2, the C2 race car has been lost. Uh, it was in a collision, in, at, at, I think, at the Pebble Beach Road races. But other than that, everyone exists today, which is just an amazing yeah, testament. That's cool. Yeah, cool. No, that's cool. The, the legend. How many was it? C5 replicas were built that I think Briggs' son uh, was involved. C, it was, there was a C4R replica. C4R and I. I think four were built, and and we consider those Cunninghams today because they were continued chassis numbers. Briggs Cunningham III, Briggs' son, was uh, principal in that effort, and uh, and actually it, it was supposed to lead to a new Cunningham being built with Bob Lutz and Briggs Cunningham III. Right. It wound up in an ugly lawsuit and it never happened. And the one prototype that was built is sitting in Jack Roush's museum in Livonia, Michigan now. Wow. It was to be uh, built as a by a virtual car company, that the body would be built by some company, and the engine built by another company, and the assembly by another company, and it just, it just never worked out. Okay. But um, the replicas, I think there were four C4R replicas built. And a friend of mine, Chuck Schoendorf, who lives in Rowayton, Connecticut, has three Cunninghams. He's got two coupes and a convertible. He's building a replica of the C4RK, which was the one coupe the cam body. Uh, that yeah. was built by Alfred Combs Bodywork. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. And it's going to be debuted next year at uh, at the Greenwich Concourse. And he's building it. He's building it so true. He he got permission from Miles Collier to go down to the Collier collection in Florida and digitize the body on the original car. Good uh, heavens. Uh, the original car won't be seen in public anymore. You can go down and see it in the museum, but they figure that it was it was spray painted on a day when it was very humid and, and that salty air down in Florida didn't help. And now it has a paint disease, if you want to call it that, where the paint is chipping off and Great, yeah. uh, Miles Collier said, "That's it. We're not going to take it outside anymore." So it's in a climate-controlled environment. So Chuck is building a replica with Miles' blessing, wow. uh, you know, authentic, right down to you know the leaky carburetors, the whole deal. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a, it's, I think, I think he will put in air conditioning, just because those, that car was. I mean, 
Phil Walters, who raced that car, said it was just so claustrophobic and hot and sticky. But uh, other than that, I think he's going to go completely original on it. And uh, so we'll see that next June at, at Greenwich. Beautiful. Okay, so um, who is coordinating the Greenwich Concours? Are you doing it, uh, the chairperson? Uh, Chuck Schoendorf and I are doing that. Okay, because June one, two, and three. We'd like to interview you probably sometime next spring. Uh, as you know, we spend time with Bill, and we spend time with the folks at Pinehurst and Hilton Head, and uh, talk to them too. And maybe we get you know some interest for you up in the Northeast. Oh yeah, to me, I mean, if you wanted to spend three hours talking about Cunningham on the radio, I would like to do that sometime. It's it's an amazing story, uh, and it, you know, again, it's all human interest story. It's not the hardware as much as it was the determination of one guy to try to win the 24 Hours of Le Mans with American cars and American drivers. Right. Uh, there's, there's a book, an early Dean Bachelor book, about Cunningham, and it's, it's a good book. And everybody that's interested in Cunningham has it. It's probably 25, 30 years old. And in there, Briggs Cunningham is wearing a very long fur coat. And, uh, and and his wife's next to him, and she's got a long fur coat, too. Well, I was up at Briggs' daughter's house, Lucy's house, about, oh, eight years ago. And, and we were looking at this book, and uh, she's now deceased. Lucy died of cancer a couple years ago. Mm. But I, I happened to comment, like, wow, your parents had some fur coat. She says, oh, yeah, that was, that was the coat my father got when he went to Yale in 1926. And that's the kind of coat you would get to watch football games. She said, now that photo was taken at 28 when my parents got married. I said, isn't that interesting? She says, I've got my father's coat in the closet. I said, you have that coat in the closet? She said, yeah. She gets out of the closet. I said, oh, my God, look at this thing. And it, it weighed 15 pounds. And like, it's a raccoon yeah. coat. And I looked at the label to see who made it. And it said it just said Briggs S. Cunningham. So it was wow. made just for him. Yeah, Steve, well, I, our co-host here has one. Yeah, a bear coat. Well, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm sorry, Tom. So, go ahead. So it was made just for him in 1926. Well, she realized that I I really you know enjoyed seeing that coat and I put it on and I put my hands in the pocket to see if Briggs might have left a, you know a couple hundred thousand dollars in there. Or something. <laughs> he did not. But she sent it to me that Christmas and oh. that, uh, that coat I, that coat I have in my office upstairs. So that that's the extent of my love of the Cunningham legend. I have his fur coat from Yale. (laughs) Now, was she in Green's Farm? Is that where she was? She was in Green's Farm. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Gosh, I didn't realize she'd passed away. Okay. What a neat lady. And so, you know, for a while, I I was president of the Formula One race in New York that was supposed to be held in New Jersey on the bank of the Hudson River, and I I lived in Manhattan. And I would take a train up to Green's Farm, and and, uh, Lucy, you know, she didn't like driving to Cunningham, but she had two of them. She had a coupe and convertible. Wow. So I'd go up there on a Friday afternoon and drive her around the Connecticut countryside uh, in her cars. Uh, it, was, it was a lot of fun. It was, a, it was good memories. Beautiful. Now, where are those two cars? Uh, well, uh, they were bought by a guy named uh, Dennis Nicotra out okay. of Connecticut. Okay. Uh, and he's a collector. The convertible was sold to a gentleman. Uh, his name he lives in Scranton, Connecticut. For one point three million dollars, and he's right now trying to sell the uh, the coupe. Interestingly, the black coupe was only owned by the Cunningham family since new, uh, and until Dennis Nevoltra bought it, uh, probably 
six years ago or so. And uh, it's got a fully automatic transmission. Most of them had that flush automatic <laughs> uh, with the clutch. Mm-hmm. Um, Fluid the drive. only one that was uh, offered with power windows. So it was a fam- one family ownership car. Lucy inherited it. And that car will be going for sale at the RM auction at Monterey this August. Wow. Oh, that, that, that's neat. Well, let's move on. Um, I guess we're going to take another break in a minute, but what would you like to talk about next? You want to talk about the Cuba book for a few minutes? Yeah, let's talk about Cuba. Okay, sure. yeah, we'll do that after the break. We're going to go to break now. We'll be right back. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Your auto love and investment demands the best, and for 45 years, Passport Transport has been meeting those demands. From manufacturers to the one-car collectors and all other facets of the auto industry and antique auto hobby. The first and the finest with unequaled service and peace of mind. Passport Transport, your auto transportation company. Contact PassportTransport.com with your need today. Passport Transport. Hi, this is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. Uh, just talking to you about antique car insurance. I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, consider J.C. Taylor Insurance. They've been our my insurer for years in this hobby and have the top rating of every, all of the insurance companies in the hobby. When you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com on the Internet. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Okay, Tom, we're back, and let's talk a little bit about Cuba, because I understand you and Bill had some interesting times over there. We did. We were lucky to have been invited to Cuba by a a Cuban resident uh, who actually was the head of the auto museum in Havana, in the old section of Havana. So it, it, it was kind of neat the way it worked out. Uh, we invited him to be a judge at the Amelia Island Concourse and because we had a Cuban racing class one year, and uh, we brought as many of the Cuban cars that competed in the Cuban Grand Prix, Grands Prix, the three of them, as we could to Amelia, and we had this gentleman uh, be a judge, and in return he invited us to go down there and... Uh, do research on the Cuban Grand Prix. And so we went there in 2009. We went there again in 2000, 2014 or 15, maybe it was 15. And then uh, and Bill went twice in between. So collectively, the, the two of us took six trips there and uh, made some friends and saw some cars and uh, heard some stories and uh, on our second trip, I said, Bill, we, we need to do the story. We need to do the book because there are uh, a number of Cuban books out there, Cuban car books, and they're all just colorful pictures. But nobody really dug into the history. And, and you know, it's just it's just about, you know, this fantasy that these perfectly restored American cars are driving around. Well, you know, <laughs> no, I, not they, really. <laughs> they're, they're, they're put together with Band-Aids and bailing wire and duct tape and, 
you know, these cars wanted to die a half a century ago, yeah. but they can't because there's no alternative. So yeah. they keep these cars going, and, and the, the people there are so ingenious about making piston rings out of old cast iron pipe. Uh, they, they, you know, they do body work with Bondo, not with Bondo, but with Plaster Paris. Wow. They can't afford, they can't afford brake fluid, so they use silicone-based shampoo in the brake lines. And uh, because that, they can get that reasonably priced, these people make five bucks a week. Yeah, they have no money. They're just so broke that the cars are all they have, and the cars are the reflection of their personality. If they can afford mag wheels, you know, they'll get them out of Mexico and put them on their car, or a Ferrari decal. They'll put a Ferrari decal on a Pontiac. It doesn't. They don't know the difference. <laughs> but uh, you know, they're wonderful people. They're proud and and. The, the cars running this many years there are about 60,000 cars uh, American cars down there it's a, that's a testament to their ingenuity these people with no engineering background have become brilliant engineers Tom I think Bill told us that uh, a lot of the, the gas the old Chrysler gas engines and so forth had been replaced by diesels yeah, Russian diesels I think yeah there were, there were 25,000 Diesel tractors brought over from Belarus uh, that that Russia brought to Cuban farmers, and and many of those tractors, fifty years later, have been cannibalized for their drivetrain. <laughs> so you know, in the United States, you'll see a car, and we call them a thirty footer. You know, you get closer than thirty feet, you start seeing the uh, the uh, imperfections. Well, in Cuba, Bill called them hundred yarders. <laughs> and you know, you see, you see a, a fifty-three Cadillac from a hundred yards. Whoa! Look at that! It's convertible. You know, you, as you walk closer, you start noticing things. And when the guy opens the hood, you see a four-cylinder tractor motor in there. Uh. <laughs> oh, gee! Well, the thing I, I loved about your book is you <clears throat> had some historical pictures in there. The, I think one photograph was the Oldsmobile dealership in Havana, and of course, none of us would ever even think that there would have. You know, remember that far back, and in fact, there was a minor league baseball team in Havana. And yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I got uh, vintage photographs from various sources, New York Times and Getty Images. Um, but Cuba was the largest importer of American cars in the world. Wow! They, you know, outside of America, they, they were the largest importer of American cars, and so. There were dealerships and distributorships set up, and, and uh, down there, fifty. When you go there now, you see an amazing number of fifty-five, fifty-six, and fifty-seven Chevys, and it's like, wow, they're all over the place. This is amazing. And then you find out that Chevrolet sold more fifty-five, fifty-six, and fifty-seven Chevys new there, and so the. So that's why they're still around, because they don't go anywhere. That's where they are. So um, the fact that Chevy sold more than then means they're more than there now. Uh, we've got historic photographs of dealerships then and now. Um, it, it, the deal, one dealership now is, you know, it's a warehouse on the bottom and the apartment house on top or whatever, but the, the building's still there, and you can still see it's kind of an Art Deco, very modern, round corners and round windows and stuff very beautiful back in the day right now it's not so pretty but um, <clears throat> we were invited to the largest sporting event 
automotive sporting event in the in the country. We just happened to be there at the right time, and it was it's a rally, and this is what takes place at the Grand Prix these days. Is this rally, and you think, oh, it'd be a rally from one end of the country to the other. Now it's a sixty-kilometer rally, so you know it's like forty-eight miles or something of a rally, and it's sad. It's that, but that's all they have. That's the only motorsport they have in the country, besides a little bit of go kart racing. Wow, that, that's that's amazing. I, I got to ask: Did you have any barn finds? Oh, so many. Uh, well, let me put it this way: most of the barn finds are still driven there. The road. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> but we we did we were invited to some <clears throat> to a couple of places to see cars that are kind of secret, and so we found uh, two of the three. 300 SL Mercedes Benzes. We saw two of the Gullwing. Oh, I'm sorry, we saw one Gullwing or one Roadster. Another Gullwing we didn't actually see. We have heard about a Porsche 550 Spider that's there, but we never saw. We heard it. We talked to a gentleman who saw saw it in traffic on a Saturday morning once, and uh, kind of raced to get through a tr- uh, an intersection, and he, he just never caught it. And that's the last he saw of it. Uh, we saw a Porsche Carrera, four-can Carrera Coupe in 1961, I think it was. Um, we have pictures of a, uh, mm, let's see, pictures of a Maserati, but we never actually saw the car. Somebody showed us a picture of it. Uh, there's a, a GM, I'm sorry, not a GM, a Chrysler Gia show car that was in the 1959, I think, Autorama in Detroit, and that car we saw down there. Uh, a Nash, no, I'm sorry, not a Nash Healy, a Healy Silverstone. Uh, you, you have to remember that when when Cuba was happening, you know, before the Castro regime, this is where rich people hung out. You know, whether they were legitimate or not, they might have been mafia, they might have been just uh, uh, wealthy people that wanted to have a, a, a somewhat more exotic home than in Miami, and so they brought those cars down there, and uh, many of them are still there. We've heard there's a couple of BMW 503s possibly down there, uh, but but when it comes down to it, it's mostly American cars. It's mostly 1950s Chevys, Fords, Chryslers. You see Packards, you see Hudsons, um, and then you know I think the oldest car we saw was a Model A mm-hmm. uh, on the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember seeing a 35 Ford. Uh, I think a, a coupe down there. Uh, the, the cars that are most desirable are 1950s four doors because they can be used as taxis most easily, and so that's what you, that's what you see most of. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, let, let's kind of switch gears for a minute. Um, Steve is very active in the horseless carriage club and loves brass cars. Can you kind of give us? A little overview of any barn finds of brass yeah, cars. Yeah, it, but before we do, I just want to know: when you were in Cuba, did you did you meet Michael or Fredo? Michael Alfredo. No. My, Michael or Fredo? Oh, Michael or Fredo? I don't I don't know. From the from the Godfather movies, where the second one uh, when they were down oh. there <laughs> in Cuba. No, I do a lot with I, the brass car stuff, and and I've, did you? Ever find any any un, really unusual brassier cars, fifteen and older, in your travels? You know, in Detroit, I have, um, and we met a, man, a gentleman in Detroit who, you know, I went to a place called Pastbiners, and Pastbiners is an automotive uh, store, 
and they sell books and models and diecast and it's a, it's a place where automotive engineers and executives hang out on Saturday morning. So like right now in Pasadena, right now on Woodward Avenue in Bloomfield Hills or Birmingham, I'm sorry, people are hanging out in the parking lot. There's probably 50 or 60 cars. Um, and, and so I went to Pastiners before I did my Detroit book. And that book, by the way, I'll put a plug in here, is available this week called Motor City Barn Finds by Motor Books. And you can get it on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. So when I go to a, a place to look for old cars, I try to find car people and pick their brains. Who, who do you know has got old cars? And I went to past diners, and I got all sorts of great leads. And I found out about a gentleman right outside of Detroit who um, has, I don't know, 100 cars in sheds and uh, buildings, and some are sitting outside, but most of them are protected. And one car I found, I mean, he had a bunch of old, old cars, you know. Uh, uh, what, what, what do you have? What, what's, what's the... What's the the uh, air-cooled... Uh, Franklin's. Franklin. Franklin. He had several Franklin's, um, uh, one touring car, and these are unrestored cars. I mean, these are unrestored, running, nice old cars. And I remember he had a, a Franklin touring car there. It was so cool. I think it was 22. He had a 19, uh, maybe 11 car called a Princess, which was a little Detroit car, and it was so cute. It had a Franklin-looking front end on it, or maybe like a a, a Mac Bulldog front end, kind of a round-looking nose, uh, a little tiny two-seater, and he wanted like six thousand for it. I said, "Man, you know, I, wow! If I didn't have so many cars, I wouldn't mind picking that little thing up. It's so cute." Um, and, you know, the motor still turned over with the crank. Uh, and I'm trying to think. So that guy probably had the big, the biggest collection of potentially brass era cars, mm. and he wanted to sell them all. He's getting old. And uh, you know he wants to sell them all. So if you get my Detroit book, you can find out who he is and uh, see what cars he's got. Um, other than that, I think we found some uh, brass era cars in California uh, with the Haggerty series. But you know, cars that are 100 years old are are you know they've pretty much been scooped up or they're rotted away. Yeah, there's quite a few though. And, and the old story in the Horses Carriage Club is that when somebody wants to sell them, another member buys them, and at the end, the last guy, horse's carriage member living, will have 42,836 <laughs> cars. Is that you? Hey, You're on your way. There, but I'll, I'll tell you about a trip I just took. I'm, I'm writing a book right now. It'll be out next <coughs> year. I just drove a uh, 1926 Ford Model T from... Uh, Times Square, New York City, to the Golden Gate Bridge in California along the Lincoln Highway. Wow. And old number 30. It, yep, old number 30. And it took, I, I didn't know how long it was going to take. I didn't know if we were going to have breakdown. So I made my return flight for 21 days after we left, figuring the worst. And we made that trip in 15 days without a single mechanical problem. Absolutely. And and we took one day off in Lincoln, Nebraska, because it was a halfway point. We said, let's just take a day off and just sleep late and, you know, just, just have a nice day without driving. And uh, it was an amazing trip. So that book will be out next year. Called, it's called Ford Model T Coast to Coast, A Slow Drive Across a Fast Country. 
<laughs> yeah, that's cool. I, they the Model T Club does that every year. Uh huh. They they do that same tour every year. They go across country. I have several friends that have done it, and they very few of them have problems. I mean, it's a bulletproof car. Bulletproof car, amazing. So we took a Model T uh, Speedster, no fenders, lowered suspension, had a Rajo overhead valve conversion, and we were when we were in. Uh, on Highway 50 in Nevada, the loneliest road in America, and uh, had a, a wind behind us on a flat downhill. We hit 63 miles an hour. Whoa. <laughs> Boy. You still got to stop it, remember. <laughs> well, this, this, this car had just braked in the front. Oh. oh. Tom, we're going to have to take another break. We'll be back on the Classic Car Show right after this. Whether cruising the strip at a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Your auto love and investment demands the best, and for 45 years, Passport Transport has been meeting those demands. From manufacturers to the one-car collectors and all other facets of the auto industry and antique auto hobby, the first and the finest with unequaled service and peace of mind. Passport Transport, your auto transportation company. Contact PassportTransport.com with your need today. Passport Transport. This is Lawyer Liz. Join me each week as we discuss drones, the Internet of Things, and all the technology in between. It's Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz, Wednesdays at 2. Hi, this is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. Uh, just talking to you about antique car insurance. I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, consider J.C. Taylor Insurance. They've been our my insurer for years in this hobby and have the top rating of every, all of the insurance companies in the hobby. When you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com on the Internet. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Okay, Tom, have you recovered from your Model T trip? Well, my butt was a little sore. I know, that's what I was just telling him. I, I, that's what I was just telling him. That's a, that's a roid razor for sure all those days in a Model T. There's yeah, two of us, and we're both over six feet tall, and you have to squeeze in from the from the passenger side. You put your butt in first and swing your legs in, whatever. And then, you know, then you're one inch from another guy for 14 days. So, you know, uh, the first time we went through, we went through farm country, and it's started to smell something. I, I looked over at Dave, and he looked over at me, like you know, which one of you guys had chili last night? And, <laughs> but then we realized, then we realized we're passing through, you know, like livestock, and it was a big yes. manure field. Ag- right. okay. Agricultural yeah. aromas. Yeah. We get them all the time. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is thirty. We did thirty-seven hundred and seven miles total trip. What was your average on on a day? Uh, we tried to average two hundred fifty miles a day. We we did two days. Of 325 or so, hmm. uh, it, there, were, we were, there was a snowstorm that was heading our way in uh, Wyoming, hmm. and uh, we wanted to get out of there. And uh, so 
we, we, we drove a lot at 325 that day. And actually the first day we drove from New York City to central Pennsylvania. Uh, it was, you know, we just wanted to get out of Dodge, so to speak. It's just too much traffic, too many stoplights. Just, uh, and then, Tom, Tom I, I assume you probably got multiple honks, but also did you get multiple hand signals? Oh, yeah. Uh, everybody yeah. loved it. You know, the car was lettered up, California or bus, so, you know, people would pull up to get a traffic light. Like, where are you going? I said, look at the back. It says, California, you're going right now? You're in New Jersey. You're going to California? Yeah. So, yeah, you know, and I find that we were living a fantasy that a trip that many people would, would, would trade places yeah. with us in a second. Can, can you imagine doing that? There was four guys that did that same trip in Curb Dash Oldsmobiles, Man, and only one quit. Three of the four, and the object was to dip the tires from in both oceans. And uh, they got to New York City, and they couldn't do it. So the mayor, uh, uh, Rudy Giuliani, opened the garbage <laughs> pier so they could drive down and put the tires in the water. We, we, we did that. We, we uh, found a, a ramp in New Jersey right opposite the, uh, uh, the Statue of Liberty, and we drove the car down a boat ramp and dipped the tires in, and we got to San Francisco and dipped the tires it's in. It's cool, isn't it? Beautiful. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, that's you get a lot of credit for doing that. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that. Speaking, speaking of tires, did you go through more than one set? Nope. Uh, they, were, they were pretty new when we, when we left, and we brought one brand-new tire with us and uh, a couple of tubes, but we, but we did not have a tire issue. And uh, they didn't have an issue with anything. I mean... We, Dave Coleman, the, my co-driver, uh, was religious about uh, lubricating. Uh, we used uh, Redline racing oil to lubricate the U-joints, the front suspension, the tappets, uh, and he would do that twice a day with a very sticky lubricant. A, a, it was a red lubricant. And uh, uh, let's see. We changed oil once. Uh, I'm on the board for McPherson College in Kansas, which yeah. is an automotive restoration sure. program. And so they came up to Lincoln, Nebraska, and uh, Speedway Motors let us, or actually it's the American, uh, American uh, the Museum of American Speed. Yes. They let us use their shop, and, and the students from McPherson came and uh, did a, a, a pit stop for us halfway through our trip. So they changed the oil, rotated the tires, adjusted the transmission bands, uh, we had a broken headlight, so they they did all that stuff, and uh, so we only changed the oil once. Although Dave said we were dripping so much oil that we probably changed it twelve times because we just kept on adding yeah, new yeah, oil. Yeah, of course, that's that's <laughs> the beauty of it. it; keeps the dust down on the road. <laughs> but that make it, the Speedy Bill's place is really something, isn't it? Speedway that Motors is amazing. When, when you can see a, a a Model T engine with a double overhead cam yep. cylinder head on it, that is just amazing. And the car in the in the I'm sure you had lunch downstairs, where he has that 32 steel-bodied high boy with the Halibrand in it, the uh, Lincoln transmission, the 24 bolt uh, 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 flathead with Yeti Meyer crossover tool carb manifold. I keep telling I've gone there. I've told the owner the operators, why don't you go somewhere for about 20 minutes and give me the key to the garage door? Yeah. <laughs> what What was so cool is that. Uh, I had been communicating with the president of the Model T Club of America, uh, and he put together a list of people for me along Lincoln Highway who had 
shop or parts or, you know, would help us service the car if we had any issues. Well, he lives in Lincoln, Nebraska. And our, our timing just through some luck worked out that they were, he's also in the Lincoln, no, what is it called? Nebraska Land Model T Club. And they were having their 50th anniversary party at the museum that night. And as they were having, this is all coordinated, as they were having their party, we, they opened the garage door, we pulled our Model T right into their, the middle of their dinner. And uh, it was just a, a perfect... Cool. What a perfect, great thing to uh, do. Perfect dinner. A perfect dinner. The people, like, they got all from their table and they came over and asked us questions. And then it was just it was just amazing. And then the college students came and did a tune-up. So it was, uh, it was a, a wonderful evening. Cool. Well, that, that's great. Um, any other brass cars come to mind that you can think uh. of? No, you know, brass cars are something I, I love and appreciate, but you just I just don't stumble across them very much. Yeah. I have to tell you that when I was a kid, like we'd go to Vermont or I'd go out to Eastern Long Island. I was maybe fourteen years old or whatever. Then you could, you know, that was well half a century ago. Then you could yeah. find brass cars. You know, well, then you could find those cars. But now, with fifty years later, I'm fifty years older. It's just it's just hard to find. Yeah, every now yeah. and then you hear somebody uncovering some weird thing somewhere. Well, and then uh, Henry Austin Clark had his museum. Austin, yeah, yeah, Austin Clark. Gosh, uh, that was full of gorgeous cars. So that was you know that, the first time I was exposed to old cars. My father took me out to Henry Austin Clark's museum. And we got a ride in a shady hollow fire truck through the woods. <laughs> you know, which he gave kids, and, and yeah. then Austin wound up becoming a good friend of mine as I, when I was an yeah. adult. Yeah, and uh, I was there the day he signed the contract to de- donate all his books, his whole library, to the Henry Ford Museum. Sure. Yeah. D- just this is one of my pet things. Do do you? I, and I know we don't have much time, but do you do anything to try to? involve young people into this old car hobby to expose them to get them cranked up to say you know there's nothing better than this stuff you and I did it as kids and uh, you know I keep looking for ways to t- I, I was did it with Tabitha at Haggerty and we did the youth judging program and a bunch of stuff oh yeah yeah well uh, yeah I'm involved with Haggerty the judging program and sometimes I'll guide them around concourse um and I'm involved with McPherson College. I'm on the advisory board. Uh, McPherson in Kansas uh, has a four-year bachelor's degree in automotive restoration. And I've become friends with those students. And, you know, those students are the, the future of our hobby. But I have to say that it, no, it, didn't, it didn't take anybody to make you a car person. You were one. And it didn't take anybody to make me a car person. I was one. It's just... It's a next door neighbor or an uncle. It's yes, got any car and exactly. bingo. That's it. I I am not. You know, my son's a car person. He's twenty five years old. He loves cars. Loves cars, but he doesn't. He, you know, we look at brass cars, or we look at thirty two Ford hot rods at a car show. And he said, "Dad, I just don't get it. I just I don't know why you like those cars." Yet, you know, all he wants to do is put an LS one in his BMW. So. He's That's okay. Rodder. I go along with that. Nothing wrong you know, with that. He, he's a hot rodder, but he's just a hot rodder of a different era so, of cars. And it, yes. The old cars just don't register. Exactly. Although he worked for Ford Motor Company, and 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 one of the engineers um, 
taught him how to drive a Model T, and suddenly I saw him having more respect in Model Ts than he's ever had before. So yeah. maybe it just takes somebody to put them behind the wheel. Exactly, or that's what it takes. Yeah. Tom, Tom, let me ask you. You mentioned our hobby. Is is classic the classic car industry? Is it a hobby or has it become a business and an industry? I, th- I think it's all of the above. Yeah, I, you know, I really so. think it's everything. I'll tell you one thing that I'm noticing, being being that I'm so close to the barn find industry, the whole, the whole barn find world, is that people, uh, the, the classic cars were, were quickly sucked up and restored, the Duesenbergs, the Bugattis, and then and then the the, 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 the step down from that, the 32 Ford Roadsters and 55 Thunderbirds, and, and those cars, maybe Avantes, was, were sucked up and restored. And, oh, and but then there were people that couldn't afford any of those things, so they went up and fi- found, you know, a uh, a thirty nine Plymouth four door sedan. Well, that's all they could afford, and that's what they restored. So there was something for everybody, every price range, and and, and every salary range out there. But now, with you know, Dad getting old, and maybe Dad passing away, and his kids are saying, you know, that old four-door Plymouth that Dad's got, you know, I need the garage space for my boat or, you know, whatever. And I see some of those cars becoming barn finds again, which is, to me, a real sad thing because, you know, the the car that Dad proudly restored, because that's the only car he could afford to restore, and they enjoyed it, and they went to car shows with it. Now those cars are not being really appreciated for what Dad appreciated it for. And, you know, the Duesenbergs and the Bugattis will always be classics, and people who collect artwork and major investments will always respect those cars. But but the Ford or Plymouth, unfortunately, are not going to be. And I'm seeing cars that were restored and used now sitting out behind the garage again. And that really, really... It really bothers me that barn finds again become barn finds. Tom, Tom, Tom we got to leave you. I, I hate to cut you short like this because it's been so darn much fun today. And uh, hopefully maybe later in the fall we can have you back on the air to relate I would love it. more of your activity. We really enjoyed it. Yep, thank you. Yeah, and uh, thank Bill for uh, giving us your lead. I will. Okay, you're the best. Thanks, Thanks again. Guys. Bye-bye. Bye. My name is Kyle Hayes, a motorsports student at Alfred State College. Every year, Alfred State students compete in the Great Race, which is a cross-country time endurance rally for vintage vehicles. As you can imagine, it's pretty costly. I'm asking for your help. Your donation can make it possible for these students to live their passion and promote the vintage automobile industry. Please visit our site at give.alfredstate.edu and search Great Race to learn more and help us reach our goal. Thank you. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. 45 years of experience is behind the most trusted name in auto transportation. Passport Transport, the first and finest today. That's why Passport Transport is the preferred auto transport for major auto manufacturers, concours, museums, tours, and collectors. 
and should be your choice from across the state to across the country. When you have the need, go to PassportTransport.com and enjoy the peace of mind referenced experience will give you. Passport Transport. 